Yo, welcome back to the new and improved podcast. I'm Albert, and today I really wish I had access to Dateline-esque music where it's somber and mysterious and slow because I have a very special set of guests on today's podcast. They are the hosts and producers of CBC's hit podcast, The Pit, Alicia Bridges and Victoria Din. You see, about three to four years ago in Keniston, Saskatchewan, a lady named Cherie for Sherry, Sherry, I think her name is Sherry. Alicia has an Australian accent, so I think she says Cherie, but I think her name is Sherry, so I'm going to say Sherry for Tuck. Anyways, Sherry went missing without a trace. Her semi-truck was found at the gravel pit, and that was it. It was a complete mystery to what happened. The police eventually ruled it a homicide, even though they didn't have a body. And just a few months ago, her husband, Greg Furtuck, was arrested for the murder of Sherry. So this case is still unfolding as we speak, folks. The preliminary hearings have just finished, and he's about to be tried starting next year. Alicia and Victoria helped produce a podcast about this called The Pit, which goes in depth into the Sherry Furtek case, interviewing people close to the investigation, as well as family and even the prime suspect, Greg Furtek. They give me a behind-the-scenes look into their wild journey as storytellers of the entire mystery. It's very making a murderer or serial if you're a fan of that true crime genre. The only thing is that they've only released five episodes and are anxiously awaiting for the final chapter of this story to unfold. So if you're like me and are hooked, you'll definitely enjoy my talk with Alicia Bridges and Victoria Dinn. This is probably the only thing that's with the sucralose or any sort of aspartame that I don't mind. So mm. you're okay with the Coke? I'm good. Cool. Do you guys know that this is a, a first right now? So I've had a lot of media people on CTVs and I've had Eric who was from CBC. Mm-hmm. But I think you were the peop- the first podcast of any sort of guest out of 32 episodes of somebody that I've never really met before. Like we just met literally yeah. Oh, everybody else you kind of knew already? Yeah, and I yeah. think there's a girl that the she just came on. She was like a bodybuilder girl. Yeah. And I just lit, I met her the night before. So, but this is yeah. for sure. Like, never seen you. What if we were weird and like psycho and you're inviting but, us into your house? <laughs> but this is the issue with my podcast is yeah. that I would want to get like, you know, when you first do a podcast, you end up having a bunch of guests that you do know. That's right. And then after the first year, you're like, oh, I got to reach out to other people that I don't know. And so I have a whole list of kind of interesting folks that I want to talk to, but I don't know. And I always have to go, okay, who do I want in, in my your house. place? Yeah. 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 So. But you knew Karen, right? Mm. Do you know Karen? Yes, you? Yeah. Yeah, you bet. Like, yes. I go to the gym with Kyle. So sure. then, like, technically, degrees of separation. No, it's by association. <laughs> yeah. You know what? She can vouch. I can imagine just from (laughs) who you guys are, your profession and everything, that you would probably be safe. It's more about the social side of things. Mm. Can we have a conversation? Yeah. Because what happens if for an hour that you're just, you're not a good guest, right? Yeah. I've never run into an issue where I've had an, uh, an episode where... I'm like, oh man, this is going nowhere. How do I tell this person I'm not going to air it mm-hmm. because I don't want to put it up? But Did then you I, have to not air it? No, yet? I've never really had. I've yeah. not. I've had ones that I'm just like I know are better than others. Yeah. But um, I've done. Been. I've done that before when I've like interviewed someone when they thought I would like edit it together and put it on air the next day but I just never did you never air, aired it yeah but I just don't, so don't you kind of have I don't tell them you can yeah. say like it just didn't you know, like we work. we had some breaking news or you know we ran, ended up running out of space on the show yeah. and we had to you know we couldn't use it or whatever you like, wouldn't I just tell someone they're bad yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. there's like ways around it I don't know how to do that. I just come like, we'll you know what? You. Yeah. I guess what you, like, you can call someone and say like you're just researching something or you just want to ask them about, you're just curious and don't tell them you want them on the podcast mm. and then just like, okay, well, thanks. Like that was interesting. And they'll be like, no, <laughs> no, no, thanks. Well, what happens 
Well, you should do pre-interviews. Do you do pre-interviews? No, but I found out that's a thing. Yeah. It's a thing, yeah. That's a thing. You probably do that because Eric was telling me last yeah. week that that's what he did all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do that all the time. Do it every day. <laughs> so what do I, like, pre-interview well, somebody on the phone? Yeah. Well, it's more to get a sense of, it's kind of like what you did with us right before. It's like, well, what do you feel comfortable talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, what are, what's like off, like, what what am I not allowed to talk about? But I... I knew ahead of time that you guys would be decent guests because I've heard you. You guys are running your own podcast. You're on microphones all the time. Mm-hmm. I usually try to find people who can tell a story or yeah. somebody who can have a good conversation. So mm-hmm. and well, I can that's tell the kind of thing that we have to do too, right? It's right. like we yeah. have to suss them out to see if they're good storytellers. So you ask them a question just to be like, oh, like what is it that you do? And then what's an interesting aspect of that For just sure. to see if they, they're – they can tell a good yarn. Or if they go off on tangents, you know, you're going to have to, like, bring them back in. Well, yeah. with <laughs> the, the people you interviewed for your podcast, The, the, the Pit, like, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you ran into a bunch of different people. Did you air all the interviews that you took? Probably not. No. Not even close. Yeah. We did a ton. And was it because it just wasn't entertaining, or is it just... Some of it's just, like, information mm-hmm. that you need, mm-hmm. but then... Um, you don't end up putting it on the air because it's not necessarily yeah. a good... It, it doesn't tell the story. It's not really anything that anybody else wants to hear. Right. But we know it. And that makes all the other parts like fit together. Kind it of. did seem like some of the guests were um, just maybe not super comfortable on a microphone. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you guys cope with those people? Well, I don't know. It, it was hard. We, we had to build up a relationship with these people first um like we wouldn't right away be like hey we're doing this podcast we want you on air we're doing an interview now we'd like built up a relationship kind of like slowly you know created that bond with them until they felt comfortable enough with us to be like yeah okay we can like i'll speak to you on on the record about this very sensitive topic well because you guys are interviewing people who had somebody recently go missing or potentially dead um so my friend who worked at CTV, she used to tell me that she hated the part she hated about the job was going outside the courthouse after a verdict or something happened. And then you just, you're shoving a microphone in their face and going, how does it feel? And it's like, you know, to you, it's a job, but to them, it's like they just lost their husband, their child or something. And so do you have to deal with that quite a bit? A little bit. We did. I, I mean, I would day to day more than I did on the podcast. And the, the, the difference with the podcast is we had a little bit more freedom and we had more time. So you're not bailing someone up outside the courthouse when they'd never seen you before. Well, not usually. Once we had to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly we're calling them first, talking through what we want to do. You know, I think it gives people like a bit more time and trust in you when they know that you've been working on something for a long time. You're actually invested in it. You care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have more time to to get to know us before we're asking them those really difficult questions. We can just talk to them about sort of, you know, in this case, who Sherry was, um, talk to them about Keniston, um, all kinds of other things before, you know, we're in a position where we want to really know very sensitive information. Right. So let's go to the actual case and the, the podcast that you guys, um, how do you describe this case to people when they ask you what you've been working on or if they ask you what the pit is all about? Well, I guess, I mean, usually I don't tell them the whole story. I would just tell them that we've been working on a true crime podcast, uh, sorry, true crime podcast about uh, a, a, a woman from Saskatoon who disappeared. Um, I've told sort of, I guess, the story of what happened to Sherry um, so many times. I, I think, do you want me to tell what, like, do you want me to run through it? So Is that who, what yeah, you're thinking? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, okay. But are you, like, what are your guys' positions with regards to the story? Are you one the producer, one the narrator? But you both narrate, or is it just you're co-doing everything? We're co-doing everything. Yeah. For the most part, right? Yeah. But then Alicia is, like, our primary narrator, right? She's, like, the one who introduces... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So who wants to go and kind of explain? I'll tell you how I heard about it for the first time. My roommate, who you can hear rummaging through the fridge there, (laughs) he he came home one day and was talking about Karen's, how she's been working a bit on this podcast. And um, he was telling me the whole story of it. And it sounded crazy. But then it just dawned on me that I actually knew the story because I remember when it happened. And my coworker... I think that my coworker said she owns a bunch of booster juices in the city and said her one Sherry, Sherry's daughter works 
I wanted the, the booster juices. Mm-hmm. And so I remember kind of going, wow, that's really like um, really close. But mm-hmm. And so I kind of followed it and then it just kind of disappeared for a while. So anyways, maybe give us the backstory of the whole thing. Yeah, I can tell you what it's about. Um, so the podcast is about a woman named Sherry Furtuck. Uh, she disappeared in December 2015 from a gravel pit near Keniston, uh, which is a small town south of Saskatchewan, south of Saskatoon. South? That's yes. South, yes. yes. On the way to Regina. On the way to Regina. That's right. I'm not very good with uh, directions. <laughs> How many times have you driven out there? Quite a few. <laughs> Too many times. Never really looked at the map. Just followed the Google Maps. Just kind of blacked out right I'm now. I'm guessing you're from... You're either from Australia. So yeah, I'm from Australia. It's okay to get the Norths and Souths mixed up. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I have been here for three years. I should probably know. But anyway, so uh, the gravel pit is, um, it's in farmland. Uh, it's rural area, um, pretty quiet. It's kind of off the road. You wouldn't really see it unless you were looking when you drove past. Um, her semi-truck was found abandoned um, the morning after she, was, she last spoke to her mum. Uh, that was the last person who spoke to her and heard from her was uh, her mother, Julianne. Um, Sherry had been at her farm nearby the day before. And so when she didn't hear from Sherry, she started to worry. And in the morning, um, she went out to have a look and some other people from the area went to have a look and they found the abandoned semi-truck there in the gravel pit. Door open or door closed? We actually don't know that. Yeah, That's we not something we were ever specifics. able to find out. Um, we didn't ever see any crime scene photos. Uh, some any photographs from the actual pit. We asked questions like, you know, were the keys in the ignition or were the keys on the seat or where, were the, where was the cell phone and where was her coat? And for some, you know, I imagine there's a reason why we weren't ever able to find that out, but we, we don't know. Really? So the, and you're talking to the authorities, I'm, a think, I'm assuming. RCMP, yeah. And so they didn't tell you any of that information? Is there any reason? No, I mean, I guess we have to assume that there are investigational reasons um, that they're, you know, say they release a photograph of the crime scene. Um, they were preparing to lay charges, which we didn't know at the time early on. Um, but, if, you know, for example, they release a photograph and then somehow in court that helps uh, the person they charge because they can describe something or they can say that they heard it on the news and that's why they might have mentioned it to somebody or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of muddies the waters a little bit in terms of evidence. What's your relation like with the authorities when you have to do this? Do they find you kind of like, like pest-like, just buzzing around? <laughs> or do they have to cooperate? Or are they used to and they understand the, the, the need for media? We were like a we were like a friendly pest. We were like, you yeah. know, yeah. What, what, I'm thinking I'm trying a to jab think of an in the side is what she was telling us. Like, uh, yeah, it's like she, a fly she called buzzing. us a thorn in their side. Yeah. But I took it affectionately. Um, <laughs> would they, Would they rather you not be there? Well, of course, because I think they were unraveling this huge sting operation that we had no idea what they were doing, right? And they couldn't tell us. Yeah, but legally, you're allowed to. S- stand around like could I just go stand around and saying I'm a true crime crime blogger and I can just do my own investigation and, and report what I'm saying it probably depends what you're doing like as long as you're in a public place and yeah doing <laughs> ethical journalism like just then follow, I think, if I yeah, was for right sure. beside everything that you did that's mm-hmm. totally legal yeah, if yeah. you got, like, the same permissions as we did, right? Okay. Like, um, so you need permissions. Yeah, well, uh, depending on where you are, like, the gravel pit was on private property, so we had to get permission from the guy who owned the gravel pit to go onto the gravel pit, you know, just to go through certain okay, protocols. So, but not from the authorities or anything, there's no... N- no, like, we wouldn't have to do that, no. No, and if you see police on the street, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily encourage people to do this, but it's not like if there's an arrest underway and there's a piece of police tape on the street in Saskatoon, like you can stand outside the police tape and take a picture, that's legal. Mm -hmm. Um, If the police tell you to move, like you have to move, Mm -hmm. but it's no different for us. It's just, I I guess we're there for a reason. If you're not really there for a reason, then you probably are kind of being a pest. Do you know your rights? Like, do you have to kind of know your rights as a reporter or journalist of what you can and can't do? What are some things that you're allowed to do that I didn't, like if a cop just tells me to move, I'm going to move. But uh, do you kind of stand your ground because you know your rights? Well, I think it it depends on the circumstance too, right? Like, of course, we know our rights. Uh, If you're on public property, like you can be on a sidewalk. If someone tells you to move, you can still be there, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like 
public property. But if it's like if you're interfering with something that they're doing, like if it, if it's a standoff and police are telling you to move, you should probably move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, we generally know when someone, if, if we're dealing with an authority, like you would know if they were being unreasonable with you. Like if they're asking you to do something that's, uh, I guess you know, that we don't, they're asking us not to do something, for example, that we know we can do, um, we would react to that based on how important it is that we do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess you pick your battles. Um, And we would only sort of, I mean, we never want to get in the way of anything. If there's like um, a situation where like, say, you know, taking a photograph and tweeting that could be really damaging to an investigation or make something more hostile, mm-hmm. then we wouldn't do it. So we always, you know, it's, it's only if you're in a situation where someone's asking you not to do something and um, you're allowed to do it and there's really no reason for you mm-hmm. not to do it, then I think we would stand our ground. Do you think in the back of the mind any of the cops or the authorities think, oh, they're making like a documentary there? Because were you filming any of this? I heard you're filming some of it. What did we film? I can't remember. Well, we filmed... We- I don't know with our like DSLRs, like if we had a film camera. But they kind of knew you were putting together some sort of story, Mm -hmm. potentially more than just a a report, like Mm -hmm. maybe that you're doing some more podcasting. They knew it was a podcast, yeah. Okay, so like do you think that they in their mind thought, okay, this is a time to shine on my case and be the guy who's in some sort of dateline, you know, (laughs) detective? Because I'm assuming that there's a certain amount of fame that happens or results as some of these famous cases become national i think they had kind of the opposite reaction to that um because they were so sort of in the thick of their investigation um not that we knew that they didn't tell us anything about that so they were sort of being very careful to sort of be cooperative um to the point that they could without giving anything up that could you know um could damage their investigation um but for that reason i think they stayed out of the limelight as much as possible Mm -hmm. um and you know we have uh couple of voices in there or was it just the one voice from the RCMP yeah just the one yeah um there were at one point you know we we thought we were going to have another one Mm -hmm. um but the circumstances changed um and that was all sort of related to the investigation I do think they were as open with us as they could be um without hurting themselves Mm -hmm. you know okay so I listened to episodes one to five and we're only at episode five I thought it was a five episode mm-hmm. um, series but the one question I had was I can't remember but were you guys on the case when it first started probably not because you said you've only been here for a few years no I wasn't here so were all the recordings based upon when you started doing this podcast because it really made you almost and this is kudos to you you guys probably painted a good picture mm-hmm. to me that felt like it it was from the very beginning when she went missing what three and a half years ago yeah mm-hmm. Well, do you mean like the archival tape that we got, the news recordings and well, stuff like that? I felt that? like you drove out there when it just happened, but probably not. No, we started was... actually the beginning of or the beginning of 2018. Yeah, yeah, that was when we started. And actually, we didn't know it was a podcast at that point. We were just interested um, because we kind of both had read a little bit about the case. But was it kind of cold at the time, or yeah, there yeah. wasn't much going on? But you decided to just keep following it. And when uh, who was it, Greg? Mm-hmm. got yep. arrested mm-hmm. was that almost like the hallelujah moment of a podcast that we go, oh there's actually something because i get arrested 10 years without anything happening right it could have i mean it definitely added um i mean it moved the podcast along for sure because it was something we if, didn't expect so people experienced that with us yeah what exactly. would you have done if you nothing happened because it, it would have just been just a a narration of the story and a, a, with a dead end? Well, I think that's what we were uh, wondering at, like right before the arrest had happened, we were kind of reevaluating how we should be releasing the story. So would it be a podcast? Would it be like a radio documentary? Would it be a long form web piece? So just because of everything that did occur, um, we decided to make it into a longer form podcast. Right, like kind of a serial esque style podcast why did this story get plucked out out of all the stories like what made you and what it, why is it made what's what this story has captured kind of like your audience really and why did you get captured by it initially 
Um, I think initially it was because there just wasn't a lot of information about it. Um, we had both seen sort of like there was we spoke about this a little bit in the podcast, but there's this one photograph of Sherry Furtuck, which we just kept seeing, um, you know, in old news stories, because like we, we go back quite a bit at work just for whatever reason there is an anniversary or you're Googling something or you're searching for something in our archives for a different story. And then you come across like old stories from a few years ago. So, um, you know, I'd kind of heard about it, but then came across it again, talked about it a little bit with Victoria. Um, and it, you know, We hadn't done any stories, you know, this is not to detract from the work that we did do because I think we did what we could at the time. Um, It was, you know, you need time and space to be able to talk to people's families and things like that. Often they don't want to do that initially. Um, But we didn't know anything about Sherry as a person. There was nothing in any of the stories that said anything about her, who she was. And I feel like we, we do get a lot of that. Like every time someone... Um, dies in tragic circumstances generally as much as we can we will call the family um, because sometimes people do want to talk sometimes there's something that they want people to know yeah um and in this case I think that story Sherry's story wasn't told early on so it seemed like a good time to go back to the family and talk to them because it did feel like it was a cold case Mm -hmm. and you know they didn't have any answers and um we felt that maybe they may have something that they want to talk about. They may want to just put the story back out there to get it back in people's minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we we did start researching and we contacted Julianne, um, that's, that's when we... Sh- Sherry's mom. That's Sherry's mom, yeah, right. sorry. Uh, that's when we got really interested in it because that first interview with her, she was just such a um, really just, I, I think... Partly we really liked her. Yeah, she was really sweet. <laughs> and yeah. uh, we really felt for her and she didn't know anything and it, it just kind of seemed like things had dried up um, in terms of uh, public sort of, um, maybe not public interest, but there was no new information coming in at that time. Mm-hmm. And we hoped that a story might be able to change that. Maybe we could, you know, bring out some new information just by putting the spotlight on the story again. Yeah, and a little bit about like kind of connecting about what you said, how you first heard about the podcast is that, you know, everybody kind of knew of Sherry or was connected to Sherry somehow, which I found like super interesting because when we released the podcast, a girl that I've known for years like ended up messaging me being like, oh, actually like Sherry is a family relative of mine. I'm like, oh, I had no idea. And like even um, when my hairdresser, like where he works, he was like, oh, our receptionist, like her, like that's Sherry's like best friend's daughter. So it's it's pretty crazy how connected she was and her family was to people well, in Saskatoon. Well, that's also Saskatoon. It just yeah. feels like you're mm-hmm. literally two degrees. Exactly. So. Yeah. Interesting. So this was your, you said you worked on this for two, three months and does every sort of journalist and pr- producer get a chance to do this? Is this something that CBC is doing? Or did you have to ask for special permission to do this? Um, I think they, at the time that we started working on it, they kind of wanted to do a podcast. They had been thinking about doing something. And, and a sort of serialized podcast. Like yep. Saskatchewan, CBC and Saskatchewan had done other podcasts. Um, at least one, two. Two, yeah. Um, they did one, uh, we have the On the Ledge by um, Adam Hunter, the political mm-hmm. reporter. Mm-hmm. And then we did um, the Bushy podcast, which was sort of a blow-by-blow blow, um, as that case was going to trial. They okay, so it. there was one about the Bushy trial. Yeah. I was going to talk about that is uh, something that probably could be a podcast, but it's already been done almost. Yeah, they did it at the time. So they kind of, um, it was it was in real time, basically, yeah. like as the case was progressing. Is that what you guys are planning to do now? Or are you just going to wait till a bunch of events unfold? Because where are we in the story right now, would you say? Uh, I think, well, we're waiting. Um, we have a few other things that we want to look at. Just, mm-hmm. um, I think, it is. I mean, that's kind of tough to talk about. Um, w- there's definitely a couple more episodes that we're ready to work on based on questions we have that we haven't answered yet, things that we feel we could look into a little bit more. Um, and then, you know, we have to kind of talk to talk to our producers about yeah. what we do when the when the trial happens if the trial happens you know um yeah. as a preliminary hearing in january january so he's back in court in january so, so what, okay so he's so like maybe just rewind a bit and just yeah. kind of tell us like so, so so she went missing 
mm-hmm. really what happened since then. Um, well, I guess we can, I'll let you tell this, this, this plot. So you want to know like, um, yeah, just kind of just give us the major steps of what happened and brought us to where we are today. Well, pretty much, uh, what we uncovered in the podcast is that we, we found out that there was a lot going on, uh, behind the scenes with like her family and her marriage and, um, just a lot of things, uh, through court documents that we had found out. Um, that could potentially have led to, like, I don't know, could lead to her disappearance, could not lead to her disappearance. There were a lot of unanswered questions that we had. Um, I don't know, Alicia. (laughs) I mean, maybe we can just, I mean, yeah. It's hard to talk about because, like, we... Every, we've had to be very, very careful about the way we talk about the story. So the story, the way that it is in the podcast is, like, the way that we told it, having thought long and hard about specifically how to so, tell it. And you know, and, and to be fair and to be respectful and, you know, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. But there's that one thing that he made friends with some undercover cops. Yeah, so we know for sure that there was an undercover operation mm-hmm. um, known as a Mr. Big Sting, which was going on while we were working on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We didn't know about we it. We had no idea. <laughs> So that's good on the authorities. Imagine if you guys figured that out. Yeah. Would you have blown the uh, the undercover operation had you known? No. No. Definitely not. Like, like ethically, no. <laughs> I mean, if You'd we had known about it, exactly. Police, right? Yeah, we'd have to really like we would have to think about what to do with the information that we already had if that was going to affect their investigation. But we didn't know, so um, and that's good. Yeah. yeah, and the outcome was that uh, they did lay charges against Greg Furtak. So that was Sherry's estranged husband. Mm-hmm. Um, he was charged with first degree murder. Yeah, an indignity to a body. Causing indignity to a body. Yeah. Why is it an indignity to a body? That's a question we have yet to because, find the answer yeah, we to. Don't, we don't know. Because I mean, there is no body. There is no body. Exactly. So how do we know? And first of all, I can I tell you what I think an indignity to a body is? Yes, please. <laughs> is it like putting them in a position where they're like... No. It, okay. I was going to say something really <laughs> immature. I, yeah, I knew where you were going. <laughs> so wait, 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 wait. Please carry on. What were you going to no, say? No, I'm not even going to say because it sounds so dumb now because you guys obviously could read my mind. I'm sorry. No, only because it's like a it's like a specific charge. Mm-hmm. Um, so the charge, I, I don't remember off the top of my head like what the wording of the charge is, mm-hmm. but it's basically, um, man, like if you were to um, – Basically, if someone does something to a, like you say, say someone, uh, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. If you did something to a body, like literally. Oh. Like if you were to, if you were to, you know. If you had like If you sex cut a person a, up. It, oh. Like if you yeah, did that. Yeah, if you cut. If, okay. That would be yeah. causing indignity to a body. Or having sex with a dead body. Or that too. That, that would, that I probably. would say, yes, <laughs> unless there's something specific it's to that. It's just doing but anything that you shouldn't be doing with it, a dead body. Pretty much. But I'm, how yeah. do they know without, but, oh, must be in the investigation, in the yeah. undercover sting, what he must have said to somebody. Interesting. Well, the police told us that uh, we would find out at the preliminary hearing, which is in January, because mm. that, like during that time is when they kind of lay out all the evidence they have against Greg. But you can, we can make these assumptions and they're probably safe to say it's make, it's safe to say it's okay to make these assumptions because we're just putting things together, which is there's an undercover sting, mm-hmm. there's an indignity to a body. So you can just assume that something was said or, cause there's no other way unless they found the body. Yeah. Well, even Greg's like said to us, um, he told officers that he just got rid of her, got rid of, dumped he said the he, body in the bushes or something. Yeah. Right? He said he threw, he said he told them, not that he did it, but he said to us that he told the police, the undercover mm. police, uh, that he threw her in the bush because um, he says he was afraid of the undercover officers in the scenario that he was mm. in with them. So he's saying that this is what he said just because he kind of knew what was up? Mm. Or? Well, he said he said that because he was scared for his life. Oh, yeah. okay. Because, again, you guys interviewed Greg, which is kind of like the climax of the whole season is just getting to... The, the suspect. Mm-hmm. How tell me about that whole kind of roller coaster there? 
Well, Alicia had a good feeling. Well, we asked one of our colleagues what the best way to approach someone in prison would be, um, and he had instructed us that writing a letter would be the best way to connect to someone personally. Um, We also did go through his, well, we try to go through his lawyer as well, just to, you know, do it the, the right way. But then, like, we didn't get any responses, and Alicia had a great feeling that maybe Greg would respond to us, and then one day he did. Mm-hmm. See the lawyer. We heard no. Oh, well, we no. heard back no. from Greg Furtak before we heard back Greg from the from lawyer. lawyer. Okay. Yeah, the lawyer so, just never responded to any of our messages. Makes sense, though. Yeah. So when you he was away too. He was so away. Was that yeah. just in a, a letter, an email, or? Uh... Uh, it was a written letter, like a handwritten letter. Really, and he said, "I'll, I'll do an interview." Yeah. So he called it. We we wrote the letter. Uh, we posted it. Um, it was probably like a week later that he called back. So I kind of by that point was thinking maybe he wouldn't. And then he called uh, my cell phone and because uh, I left my phone number um, and said, you know, a little bit about what he, you know, his side of the story mm-hmm. um, as to why he uh, told the police what he did. And then that it would be better for us to go and speak to him in person and that he was willing to do an in-person interview with the jail. You think his lawyer would maybe advise him not to do that? Well, or we do don't know what happened there. Yeah, we there. don't know. Yeah. Like, we, you know, we tried to contact the lawyer. We don't know if somehow those messages were lost because he was away at the time or what happened there. But we did hear back from Greg and that he was keen to do the interview. So, you know, between trying to contact the lawyer and hearing from Greg a week later, mm-hmm. um, you know, we kind of felt that we had we tried everything we could to reach the lawyer. And also we were hearing from Greg, who has access to his lawyer, that he wanted to do the interview. Okay. So then you ended up doing the interview. Like, walk us up, walk us through that. And how are your kind of emotions and nerves going into something like that? Was it exciting or? I think it was just nerve wracking. It was kind of scary, but uh, in like a very tense way. Not like we weren't afraid of going in there, but it was just really, really tense. Because we've we've never been to a jail before. Well, I've never been to a jail before. No, I haven't either. Yeah. <laughs> and it's you're talking about the most serious of offenses. It's like this guy could lose the rest of his life. Yeah. And so it's not asking him how the uh, the kite festival was. Right. You're asking him. Like, you're trying to dig deep, right? Yeah. So, was he? How did you find him? Um. I mean, it wasn't a. Uh, uh, pleasant conversation uh he answered our questions he stayed for quite a while um would have been probably 40 minutes I think we were there Mm -hmm. um he didn't get uh you know agitated I wouldn't say I don't think he was really happy about it um by the end of the interview um but it's you know it seemed as though there were some things that he wanted to say he got a chance to say those things and we, our biggest priority was getting to put all of our questions, like, you know, it was a really difficult thing to plan for because as well as, you know, wanting to know everything that we wanted to know, we also had to put all these allegations from other people to him so he had a chance to respond. So we're in a position where we want to push him, you know, we want to push him to get these answers, but we also, if he has them, but we also, you know, don't want the interview to just shut down um, before we get a chance to right. ask all these other questions. Because he kind of stopped it abruptly. He did end. at the end, yeah. Right. Yes. What was the thing that made him just decide that you're going too far? I think it was talking about his family. Mm. Yeah. Um, the questions about his family and then about his drinking. Oh, yeah, right. Kind of. I think that it was just a really long span of time. I think he was like slowly and slowly starting to get more agitated. So I mm. feel like when the topic of his family came up, it kind of like... I don't know if we hit a chord or like what had happened, but that's when he was just like, I've had enough. And he just shut her down. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. What? So what kind of space is it that you do this interview? And is it like one of those cliche mo- movie, like interrogation room where the lawyer comes in or there's a one way glass or is it just, was it no. just like in an office? I didn't know what to expect. I thought maybe that's what yeah. we were walking into, but they brought us into like a conference room with like big black like leather chairs around this huge table. Like a boardroom. Like a boardroom. Oh, where was it at? The, at the, at the jail. jail, yeah. The the one that's just north of the city? Saskatoon Correctional. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Silverwood area, is it? 
It's yeah. around there. I think I think Conahowski. Well, North it's, End. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, it's not Silverwood. It's uh, Conahowski, which is kind of. Yeah, I know where that yeah. is. There's a, there's I've never a been in that either. Tim Hortons nearby? There's a That's Tim all Hortons I know. It's on the highway. Wendy's? Yes. Yeah. So you've never been back since? No. Do you think no. you'll ever get another interview with them? No. No. Do you think that was it? <laughs> I think that was it. No contact from the lawyer after that? Uh, well, we did see him um, at the courthouse a few times, but... He knows who we are. He knows who we so are. We introduced are, ourselves. And if you're in, if he's in court, you're there pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're just sitting there. I've never been to a court here. I can just walk in. You can. It's public. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I should tag along for the next one. And maybe have a, like a t-shirt on with a, some saying or something. <laughs> I don't know. Pick, <laughs> a si- pick a side, I guess. <laughs> um, so that's where it's at right now. We're just waiting. So the first uh, appearance was when? Just a few months ago. Um, when was that? July was the first appearance. Like right after his arrest? Yeah. I think it was late June or July. Yeah. End of June, an, maybe? Yeah. Early July. Okay, so that's just like there. the preliminary yeah. stuff. And then the actual real, you know, toe-to-toe back and forth is going to happen in January, right? No, that one is like the bail hearing, right? So no, it was the prelim hearing. Yeah, prelim. Yeah, you're right. So it's like uh, where they put forward the evidence... Um, to determine whether or not they have enough evidence to go to trial. Right. Um, and then the trial can take place. That's an okay description. I think that's right, yeah. Uh, and then the trial, we don't know. We don't know, yeah. It depends if they, it, like, I guess there's a possibility that, uh, you know, they if could, through the courts, decide that there's not enough evidence for a trial. Right. Or that there's something inadmissible, but... Um, we won't know that until then, and then after that, then they just then they start talking about when to have a trial. And it can be like months away, years away. We don't really yeah, know. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, so what happens when any of you guys move or decide <laughs> you don't want to work here anymore? We'll like, come do, back. Do you feel yeah. like you <laughs> we'll have, come back for this. <laughs> yeah. How much have you thought about this over the last six months? Is it just nonstop? Yeah. It's just consumed you. Yeah. Really. And so, but again, you guys said you're working on other. Things. What are you working on day to day? Like, you're like a field reporter, or is that? Uh... Um, yep, yeah, I'm basically just a news reporter. Um, I do like today. I did a story about the um, a nor- the Northern Saskatchewan writing for the federal election. Yeah. Um, but I do all kinds of it, just everything really. Um, yeah, that, daily that, news and and then news features. Is it all radio though? Um, no, it's uh. Well, it's usually all platforms. Yeah. So, so it would be TV, radio, and web. Okay. Um, sometimes it's just web and radio. Sometimes it's just like web and TV or, you know, whatever format it suits best. Um, right. But we all generally do all platforms. So mm-hmm. Right. Contribute yeah. to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're, Victoria, on the, the morning show? Yeah. So I'm on our um, Current Affairs morning radio show. And so I'm primarily radio. Okay, so that's current affair. What time slot is that? So that's like the the show that runs from six o'clock until eight thirty in the morning. That's with Leisha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's what's called current affair. I thought that was called CBC Mornings. Yeah. Well, it's like it's a current. It's technically a current affairs radio show, but it's called Saskatoon Morning. Current affairs. It's like such yeah. a funny word from the eighties. It, <laughs> it, it is. It is. It means nothing it really now. Is. Like, it's a, show, a current affairs show. Yeah, aren't a they TV all show in Australia show? called uh, a current affair. And it is like uh, the the very sort of extreme of like television sort of like like following people out of oh. buildings with the microphone I in their face, like ambushing, like ambushing, like ambushing yeah. people. Yeah. I think that aired in Canada. Did it? Or there was a TV show called Current Affair and on CBC back oh, in well, the eighties. Oh well, there you go. Maybe that's the same. Maybe it's like a similar thing. But you know, you guys made it. You guys got. I don't. Of it yeah, earlier. I'm pretty sure. But so, okay, current affair show is the type of show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not like, like that. It's like longer it's... form, like interviews, like ten minute interviews about yeah. a certain topic. I've been on it. I remember I was on it years ago to talk to Alicia about the election, this the the mayor election. Oh, were and, you on a panel? No, I oh. literally was just in the booth with oh. <laughs> with Alicia talking about. I don't even know what they used to always. I think I remember that they always get me in for like not CBC, but a lot of times CBC does it or CTV would do it, and it's just they want me to weigh in mm-hmm. on some sort of like cyberbullying. It used to be about like cyberbullying or civility to do with social media, and I'm not even like a social media guy. I'm like more of a business consultant, but for some reason I would always chime in, and it'd always be the same <laughs> advice. It's like limit your social media use. 
and, you know, talk to your kids. You know, it was never yeah. something to do with technology because I really, really paid attention yeah. to it. But. Sometimes make, people make need the update, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just got to keep on telling them. Yeah, I know. and But yeah. I don't know why I'm all of a sudden like the, the expert on like raising your family. But that was, <laughs> sure. but that's usually what the, the moral of the story of my talk would be, which mm. is dumb. Anyways, I got a, I got a million dollar question here for you guys. Is he guilty? That I can't answer. Yeah, we can't answer that. I don't know. Yeah. Like, we don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But could you even say which side you would, if you were a betting man? No. Do you have a side? No Not side. Not really. <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, we don't, we don't know the evidence. Like, we don't know what they're going to say in court. But you know what your gut's telling you. Even then, I'm one of those people that's like never until I absolutely know for sure would I ever say that I think I know. It's like I have to like, you know, it's got to be like right out there, like crystal clear. Concrete in stone. Yeah, before I would ever say for sure that I know something. As as a producer, like you're you're producing somewhat an entertainment show where people are like, because true crime is, you know, what people call their pastime, right? They like to pay attention to it, Mm -hmm, even mm -hmm. though it's something that's fairly heavy and... But you look at making a murderer. Like, what's your thought on that? Like, the, the, the program was kind of edited and, and, and told in such a way that it had to be... It wanted to create a kind of a divisive kind of side where you, you were either for Steve Avery or against him. Mm-hmm. But are you... Do you feel like you maybe want to go that route? Or, I guess... It, it's no. Only- I think, like, that's... We don't want that. Like, we want to, you know, do justice to... Sherry's story and be respectful to her and her family. Um, Like, that's really the priority. I think, you know, we need to make it in a way that people want to listen to it. It, You you can't just, like, lose people by putting all your information out there in a way that doesn't, like, get their attention. You gotta pull them along. You gotta pull them along Mm -hmm. and, like, keep them, you know. And, you know, it it is interesting. It's, like, inherently interesting, as horrible as it is. Um, of course people want to know more and of course they want to know more answers. Um, I think like as long as there is some value to it for the people involved, mm-hmm. um, I mean, making a murderer, like there was really like in the end, I mean, it, Stephen Avery aside, I'm pretty sure Brandon Dassey is out of jail now, right? right? Yeah. The kid. Yeah. Um, and you know, what those, I mean, it's, there's value in people knowing how the court mm-hmm. process works, about how lawyers work, about how these cases unfold. Um, and there is public interest in that, regardless of like, you know, what, what you feel about the ethics of um, true crime and entertainment and like how those two things should be. So balanced. you're, you're going to tell it more how Dateline would tell it. It's just like, this is, do you watch Dateline? I don't like, I, I feel don't, like I'm I like, don't a, think I've ever watched You never watched Dateline? Are you Dateline. Guys, how could you like produce a show like this and not watch TV. Dateline? Dateline I, I, is the ultimate. If you watch 10 seconds of Dateline, you cannot turn it off. I have like a picture of what it would be like. It's I feel like, like I don't have to write. It's like Stone Phillips. Voice. Or, yeah. Yeah. And it's <laughs> always, it's about 15 minutes of actual programming. And then every five minutes, it's like coming up next. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, wow. And then that didn't happen they'll say oh when we return and then it just keeps you going and they'll stretch out these hour-long datelines into two-hour datelines <laughs> and it and again friday nights many nights sent, spent watching the tv and okay this is it if you guys are making this documentary watch some dateline okay just watch them it, it they're always for some reason it's just like a, a couple that goes away to hawaii somebody ends up dead and then you think oh it's got to be the husband but then they just weave you through the crazy cases and all the other suspects. And you're like, oh, man. But then it always ends up, somebody always ends up usually going to prison yeah. and okay. getting charged. There's yeah. justice. There is the justice in the end. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. they interview the families. It's mm-hmm. pretty well done. It's probably a step up from, like, trashy reality TV. Because mm-hmm. it is still, like, kind of... It's like dramatic. Low, it's very lowest competent denominator stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't... Uh, I don't... I don't shy away from admitting that I watch Dateline, but... (laughs) 
would. I mean, I watch Forensic Files, like a lot of Forensic yeah. Files. They're they're very similar shows. So yeah, it's fascinating. A Dateline is a little bit. I would say cheesier. Forensic a Files bit more is a little dramatic. more dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> it is way more dramatic. Yeah. It's kind of the American idol of like true crime mm. shows. So. Okay. Are there reenactments? Like, is that how they do it? I don't know. I don't think they go full. Did you have unsolved mysteries when you were growing up in in no. USA, but or Australia? No. Victoria, you remember Unsolved Mysteries. They always had the... Um, I think re- so. The reenactments. Oh, yeah. And it was like... Oh, yeah, for sure. That's kind of like Forensic Files, though. Right? Don't they have, like, And they're kind of done. Oh, they kind of yeah. do, but they're, like, it's like a photograph. Yeah, you're right. Or, like, they, someone, like, not, opens the door and creeps through yeah, the glass vague. or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Forensic Files would have those, you know, if all of a sudden it was 2.30 a.m., and then the guy's creeping behind. But yeah. it's not like the whole story is told from that point of view. It's just mm-hmm. usually having a narrator. Then they'll cut to the detective going, yeah, it was a foggy night. And so, yeah, it's kind of the same way. You should do one for this one. I'll be, I'll be Greg. <laughs> oh, I don't, know if you'd want, I don't know if you'd want to do that. Um, so uh, are you tasked with doing more of these when you're done? Or is this kind of you guys... This is yours, and we're going to hand it to some other producer and journalist to do another podcast. Or I do you guys we'll see? Yeah. Well, like the way that we um, were, I guess you could say, chosen for this is like there were multiple pitches uh, being presented to like a podcast call out, and this is one of our pitches across the country. Uh, no, well, no, uh, in Saskatchewan. Mm. Okay, so you like other people from CBC would have been submitting their idea so when you got yours green lit was that pretty exciting because it's got to be a break from the the everyday job right well we always mm-hmm. wanted to do a true crime podcast we've been talking about it forever mm-hmm. being like this would be our dream just to do it we listen to them a lot yeah do you have to do ones of stories that are kind of already in the news like ripped from the headlines or can you do something that's a little bit older I think you can do it if it's older it just has to be the but, right story like it has to have like different elements and like you know, a, a character, like somebody who is willing to speak to you, which, um, or wants the, wants mm-hmm. you to do the podcast. Like, right. I mean, you know, not always, it depends on the story, but for a story where say a missing person, um, or a person believed to be murdered, or if there's some, you know, um, disagreement over whether or not the, how the person died, like mm-hmm. you need someone usually on that side to, to kind of, um, open the doors to, to you doing that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if nobody wants you to do it, um, I mean, it's different if it's in a story about like some sort of cover up or authorities or something. But if you're doing a story about a person's family member, then yeah, you generally want them to do that. Well then, man, cause you're not from here. No. I'm pointing at Alicia, not, not Victoria, <laughs> not, not being racist. But so you don't know much about Saskatchewan's history and Victoria, I don't know how long you've been, you've been around for, she said 32 years. Yeah. So maybe you don't remember some of these stories, but I love talking about Saskatchewan crime stories. Mm, so okay. maybe these are stories that could possibly. Uh, I'm sure become, they're yeah. out there. Yeah, have you to. probably have some like. Well, the, one already. of the most famous ones. Okay. There's a couple ones that are very, very famous. There's the Colin Thatcher. I have heard about that. So Colin Regina, Th- right? Regina. So he was a, I think, an MLA or an MP outside of Moostra. His dad was the premier of the province, like, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he, and again. When we were younger, this is like the main story because he was in jail and he got um, uh, arrested for hiring a hitman to kill his wife, Joanne Wilson, I think. And it was just off of one of the streets in in Regina by the ledge. Mm. And then he ended up going to jail. Like, so he was like a politician and he Mm. went to jail forever. And then he's now out and released. And he's like in his 60s, maybe 70s. But he fought the entire time from the 80s all the way all the way till now that he was innocent that he didn't do it yeah and he didn't he still claims that he didn't do it yeah. um but word on the street is sometimes some people think it was his son mm. but that was a very famous case so much that there was a uh, a tv movie about it so oh. it was a oh, it was a very very yeah. famous case and i remember talking to somebody at leisha's wedding who was a cbc person who covered it all in the 80s and he said he played himself I think, or something like that in a TV movie. I have a feeling I might know who that is just based on the story, but I'm not going to say. Anyways, you can... <laughs> I feel like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's that one. I feel like that could be an easy podcast because there's so many layers. And it was a TV movie, but again, it's probably time for that story to be retold. 
You just have to get them on board. I step one. <laughs> when I started this podcast, I'm like, man, I should see if Colin Thatcher wants an interview. He was like, it was just a few months after he got released mm-hmm. that he was in the ledge because they were honoring his dad. And I remember he got released, and it was this huge story about him being released because he was mm-hmm. also in like this uh, super uh, low minimum security m- minimum minimum security low uh, white collar prison. I think in BC where he had like his own horse. It was almost oh, what? Like, that is a fancy prison. That is a fancy. Yeah. I, like it's probably better. I probably am living a worse life than he, he did in prison. But he he was out, and then they interviewed him about his dad's legacy. And this is like two months after he was out of prison, and he yeah. was just like you know talking like he like we're pretending that he wasn't in prison for the last twenty five years. Yeah. So, anyways, well, I mean, sounds like sounds like interesting a story. story. Okay, very interesting story. Mark that the one horse down. Really got the horse in the jail. Yeah, is something <laughs> you got to look that's into. That's the hook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then there's David Milgard. Do you remember that story? You might not remember, but you might have heard of it. I've heard the name. Yeah. Right. And was so it someone who was like wrongfully convicted? Wrongfully convicted for like twenty years or something. For twenty like that? some years, yeah. and he it was over a uh, murder of a nurse, I think, and he was supposedly bet David. Milgard when he was young was a bad dude you know and so that he got picked up and then you know put in jail and again he was also like um vying for his freedom because he said he wasn't he was innocent and then I think it was in the early 2000s that he got exonerated with DNA like all the people you know in the early 2000s that got exonerated from mm. actual DNA tests mm-hmm. and then he went out and he's free so that yeah. but that's another did they then, ever find who did it um no I, I, no, they I don't think, think no, so I know. I think with the did DNA, they, they did. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. Again, good, good for the podcast. But yeah. the tragically hip wrote a song about it too, mm. and so big. But there's other yeah. ones, and people forget. Do you guys remember? Uh, very similar case to Sherry Furtek is that I think her name was Dorothy Woods. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys study that one a bit and kind of look, or did a little bit were the people pitching it? Yeah, because they used a uh, Mr. Big operation yeah. in that case yeah, as well. Yeah, so... And uh, oh, also, like, one of the people that knew Sherry also knew Dorothy. Yeah, she was friends... One of Sherry's friends... Mutual was, friends. ...worked with Dorothy Woods, and so had lost these two women in a very short Re- period of time. Because I remember a girl I worked with was in roller derby, and so for people who don't know, Dorothy Woods was uh, a mom in Saskatoon, and she went missing, too, and then her husband was arrested and eventually uh, convicted uh, and charged for, you know, murdering her. But was it true that the uh, Mr. Big, is that what they call it? Sting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they they said something like, yeah, like, didn't the cops, I heard something like this, like the cops came and said, we found her body kind of thing. And he was like, Not, pretended that. I think the story was that they found some human remains. I'd have to. I'd have to check this, but I think the story was that they found some human remains the police had, mm-hmm. but they were not Dorothy Woods's remains. But they ha- they put out a news release saying that they had found remains and didn't say where they were, and then they were tracking somehow tracking his vehicle or watching him, and he went to the site where, where Dorothy Woods's body actually- was. Exactly. That's the oldest I don't know trick. If that's that's the like oldest trick in the book. Or if I've just heard that. No, that's what I heard. I heard yeah, that somehow that they reported. they was, said they yeah. found something. And then so they, they had a GPS tracking device. Like, man, first rule about getting rid of a body, never, ever go back. Go back to the scene of right? the crime. Yeah. I think they could, they, people probably just, like, can't help it, though. Like, they, they've they got this kind of conscience that's probably, you know, riding them, like, all the time. Like, yeah. Maybe they're, they're just be, so, like, paranoid. All, so paranoid about yeah. being caught mm-hmm. that, like... You just be like, oh, I'll just like go. I'll just gonna go make sure. See. I'll just make go sure. see, like thinking that no one's ever gonna know. I don't. I do you guys ever think about? And I know this is like it sounds ridiculous, but do you guys ever think about if you had to get rid of a body? <laughs> no. And live guilt free. <laughs> I could never. Because you probably do that. get rid of a body, but you'll you're gonna be worried about it every night. I once like thought I had run over a gopher while driving and I like cried about it for days. So I'm thinking You've about it, of- thinking about a dead body. I don't know if I could handle that. Yeah. No, but I, I said, if you had to think about, about getting do, rid of it, what to do, what would you do, do you think we'd be better at it now? Is no, that what you mean? but I mean, have you ever thought about that? I always think, no, I don't always think about it, but I always think, <laughs> could I actually get away with something like that? I, 
I don't, well, I for sure could not. I get for away. sure, yeah. Like yeah. I would never think that I. I think that people people always think they can, right? Like they always think they're smart enough. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, be- like circumstances, just like you know, uh, the circumstances are right, and for whatever reason, they don't get caught. But I think a lot of the time, people get caught because they think they're smart enough to do something like that and get away with it. Like they've covered all the bases. Have, have you thought about this? So yeah, what would you, you do? The what would you, what would you do? Let's start with well, you. Well, I, I ask my friends this all the time in the, the conversation. It's usually around a campfire, but it, sometimes the conversation is around like using like some sort of solvent that can dissolve a body. Mm. Very Breaking Bad-esque. Yeah. Um, but then it's all about tracking this massive solvent that you bought, like lye or whatever that can eat away. Or burning them and then, you know, there's, you know, that Port Coquitlam thing in, or Coquitlam in BC where that Robert Picton, that oh, farmer. Yeah. The pig farm? Yeah, he, yeah. he dissolved them in the pig food and then fed them to the pigs. But mm. man, the, you, you listen to how detectives find hair and bone in pig feces like, it feels like you can't get away with anything. Like, if I was him, I would have been like, there is no way they're going to find human remains in pig feces. I wouldn't even be thinking that. Mm-hmm. But they found that. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a way where you could, you know, seemingly get rid of a body. And this is my idea. <laughs> is that <laughs> I would find... It's taking a dog turn. No, yeah, it's super dark. No, <laughs> but I'm just saying that if you had to think about it. I would try to find a spot where the the basement's dug out for a new build and know when they're going to be pouring concrete. concrete. I feel like someone's That's, thought of that. That's kind of like a movie or something, is, isn't it? Well, they, there then was would, something with like a, a swimming they pool. That, they did and, that in True Blood. They buried the vampire in the concrete. <laughs> yeah, in the concrete, yes. But I thought below, so then I would mm. dig into the, oh. the even deeper than that and just cover it with dirt. And then have the construction crew not even know, and they'd be dumping the concrete over top of what they think. That sounds dangerous. Like, what if they're just like, oh, we need to dig a little little bit bit deeper. deeper. Just a little bit. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's it. No, you're right. I would be nervous until that day. But until that would happen, they're never going to do any tests to figure out below a new house. That would be tough to find, like, a spot. Like, you know, you'd have to really be into the house building scene to know where they're about to pour or some concrete. Friends, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in that industry. Or I you'd have know. to keep I, the body I'm forever. sure if you think about the, the mobster scene from like the early 1900s mm. like in Chicago and New York, there's got to be bodies galore in concrete. There has to be. I feel like they weren't as worried. Somewhere. They're probably just like everywhere in the early 1900s. They didn't worry about DNA then, did they? I guess oh, that's true. Yeah. Like, they probably didn't have to worry about it as much. So maybe probably they just, just had a pile it's somewhere. It's kind of freaky to mm. think that there's that many dead bodies. I, I bet you there's a dead body somewhere buried in concrete in Saskatoon. Wouldn't you think? Probably. Yeah. Oof. Okay, so we talked about Dorothy Woods. <laughs> yeah. And then there's another one um, in Swift Current, my hometown. Okay. Our teacher told us this because the guy was getting out of jail right away. And there was this these two... And again... I don't know this. I'm not fact-checking this. This is just what I've been told, mm-hmm. is that in, at Safeway, there's these two boys who are stock boys, and one was bullying the other one so bad. And one day after work, when they were doing, you know, probably closing up, the, the kid who was getting bullied ended up throwing a can at the guy who was bullying and ended up hitting him in the temple or something in the head so bad that it killed him. Mm-hmm. And he ended up wrapping him up and putting him behind the freezer or in the freezer behind like this massive like area. I think your teacher told you this story. How no. old were you at the time? Like no, 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 but this is, it's a tr- no, this is oh. a true story oh. because okay. it, it was a, I remember it being in the news mm-hmm. and they, I remember the boy getting arrested and I remember my mom making, um, not cracks about it, but just remembering that that, kid who got arrested she was like yeah he was always doing like karate in the parking lot like by himself oh. and so she's like he's kind of like off to start mm-hmm. and maybe if you're doing karate in the parking lot you gotta imagine that there's gonna be some guy who might be bullying this guy like that mm-hmm. anyways but then it wasn't until like i was in high school that the teacher told us the whole story saying that he's actually coming out of getting out of prison next year and so he's really excited to tell us this story and uh, the authorities 
like they thought the guy was just missing. And then they finally went into the cooler or the freezer days later and then found his body. So did you ever Google it? Like have you tried to see No, if but it I was real? I like I am a hundred percent sure that's that story happened, but maybe not in those uh, that exact fashion. But yeah. I know that it was like a, he threw something, guy died. Yeah. Put him in the the freezer and they didn't find his body. So that's an interesting yeah. one. Yeah. That's... And then there is uh we were talking about Colton Bushy, but there's another one. Uh, that was, it's not even a murder though, but it was our mayor. And I think, again, this is another one that was in this, in the news, but I don't know all the facts, Mm -hmm. but it was our mayor at the time. Um, he, this is in 2000, maybe just after I left high school, he was being challenged by a new person who's coming in and that person really didn't like that mayor. And so that person set up like this sting to like catch him with like a prostitute, I think. And so he ended up like hiring somebody to lure the current mayor into the mo- a motel so that he was going to come in with cameras. And the current mayor got sniff of it, got wind of it, and then knew um, to set it up. So he called the cops and everything. So it turned into this big like moment <laughs> where he came in with the camera, but the cops were there because they knew that this whole thing was happening. Wow. I remember this happening and going, this can't be so current. But then same time. It is Swift Current. Oh, that was in Swift Current, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I feel like you should, like, make a really podcast. Really interesting to, like, yeah. go back and read all the old newspaper stories about that. Yeah. Like, what was happening at the time. I would love and, for like, real journalists to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would love for real journalists, journalists and investigative people to go check these things out to see if I, like, I'm making this up. Maybe, if, like, that's our next podcast. It's, like, scandals and murders. Well, there's that one, <laughs> the, the recent couple... Dun, dun, dun. There's that recent couple in Saskatchewan who they tried to kill each other's spouses. Oh, I'm sure yeah. you guys remember that. Well, they were like recording under the table yeah. or something. Was yeah. It? Yeah. So that somebody put a re- like a, a recording. I think it was like the guy's wife had put like a recorder underneath their kitchen table because she suspected that something was happening and caught yeah. like those two plotting. But I don't know what I happened with that because that was back in court recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it got a. They got acquitted. I think so. Yeah. The case got dropped. And so these, so now you have to imagine the two couples are still, I'm assuming the, the people who were going to get killed mm-hmm. maybe have left their spouse by then. That would just be an awkward, that'd be just an interesting Christmas. Like, you gotta, yeah. <laughs> that's true. You always, I, <laughs> the one thing I can't get past is that, okay, there's the victim and the suspect and, a few kind of players, but then there's a whole cast of other people who are affected, mm-hmm. such as family. And I remember the Dorothy Woods thing. And this is, it's weird because the husband got arrested. She's dead. And now, so if you're the kids, your parent, your mom went missing. It's public, dead. Your dad is now the murderer and he's gone. So you now have Two parents, and it's not just like two parents perishing in a car accident. This is like probably the worst way to go. And then in the paper, which is, I was kind of like thinking, man, did they have to go in such graphic detail? Because they went into like huge graphic detail about the mom's sexual history and the arrangement mm. they had of an open marriage. I did marriage. read that. And yeah. I thought, okay, now I'm a, I'm the you're kid. Reading about your and parents. you're reading about your parents. Yeah. Like mm. it's hard enough to even picture your parents. I wonder if they, I mean. I don't know. Probably different people do deal with it differently. Like I imagine some people just don't read that stuff. Like they you don't. Have to. Yeah, they just block it out. You know, don't read the news. Don't ever Google it. Like keep it. Just separate yourself from it as much as you can. But you must think about that as you do your stories. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we were told that maybe the family would not listen to our story, like our podcast. Just because, like, you know... It brings, it's, it's yeah, a hard... It's, it's, it's a reminder of the, the hardest time they've ever had. But we have actually also heard from family members who did listen to it, mm-hmm. um, who felt that, like, you know, we had done her story justice, which made us feel good. I, I never at one point thought that you were, you know, kind of belittling the situation or belittling Sherry, like you really telling her story and telling factual things, but at the same time kind of painting who she was and she was loved by many people. So, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't, I don't, I, I felt like I wasn't kind of intrusive, intruding on her life at all. No, I don't think, yeah. yeah. I mean, like the details you're talking about with Dorothy Woods, like all that kind of stuff. I mean, 
I don't know what, what you would do if you came across information like that. Um, I think it would only be worth using that if it was relevant to like you're not going to put anything like that in a story unless it's somehow relevant to what mm -hmm. happened mm -hmm. um and to getting like more answers i guess like more information like if by putting that information out into the world you're somehow bringing in new information that could you know solve the case or help the family mm -hmm. then it's worth it but then i don't know like you have to make that judgment call if it's not yeah i know. i just remember that i was like this is pure entertainment. This has nothing to do with like me deciding whether they're guilty or innocent. It was just just opening up the book on somebody's private life. And mm -hmm. um, but as a human, you don't just give it to me. I'm gonna read it and yeah. I'm like yeah, absorb it. So yeah, interesting stuff. I think it's human nature to like want to know more. Yeah, for sure. Very curious. <laughs> yeah. But then you also sometimes feel guilty. I instantly thought of like man. If, I, if this is my life and my parents were dead and then I read this about them, like, that's the last thing I would need, mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah. So. You can always get it right, I guess. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So what's next? What's coming up now? Like, you guys are saying taking a break? Uh, yeah. For a few more weeks, I think, and then we'll jump back in. Is it, do you guys have time slated to work on this full time still? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't know when exactly yet. It's slated. It's just uh, still moving around. Yeah. <laughs> so it needs to be locked down. <laughs> it needs to be locked down. That's right. It's yeah. like floating right now. But um, yeah, we've been told that we we have the time to work on it. We just have to figure out the right date. And do they have to find re like replacements for you for your other jobs? Pretty like, much. While they do that? That's okay, why it kind of works like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the, the, the world of journalism fascinates me. To chat. <laughs> like somebody can just pinch hit for you for months to do your job but yeah anyways it's i found it wildly fascinating it was really good and i was really proud that it was from saskatchewan but not proud in the sense that you know the crime happened here but at the right. same right. time yeah it's uh i don't know it was really well produced and just want to say good luck to you guys and thank thanks you. for coming on thank you for thank having you us. thanks for having us cool awesome